gliding shapes that violate every law of nature. It's the Horror Foria Podcast. Hi, can I help you? John Richards and Andy Gilly are talking everything and anything horror movies. Welcome to the Horror Foria Podcast. It is Thursday, January 16th of 2020, episode number 46, broadcasting from our spontaneously combustible studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. I'm John Richards. And Andy Gillian, I think I still have a feeling of dread from this movie, man. It is it's a, dark. We're, we're it gonna is be talking, dark. We're going to be talking about the uh, feature-length debut from Ari Aster, uh, a guy that we have a lot of respect for. Uh, it's called Hereditary from 2018, and if you heard an earlier, it's kind of weird how we did it because we're doing this one second, and we right. did Midsummer first. That was his second. But uh, my goodness. I think one of both of our favorite movies of 2019 was, was Midsummer, uh, And I had, uh, you know, you'd, you'd, you, we actually talked about this in an earlier episode very briefly uh, when yeah. we had a little bit of a different format. And I never, uh, I hadn't watched it. And then I watched it and I just didn't, I wasn't paying attention or something. And I didn't get the full impact of the movie. Last night I took a really good look at this and it, it is a impactful movie, man. It's, it's really really got some imagery and uh and it's real interesting we'll talk about yeah it. yeah let's dive into it because <laughs> i i do want to kind of before we actually get into uh you know talking about the movie in mm-hmm. its entirety you know i kind of just want to get go through of what ari aster has already done in his two movies so sure. um yeah. uh, do we have horror movie news yeah we have uh we have a couple things uh i saw the trailer for invisible man uh, we talked a little bit about that on Horror 40 number 41, I think. Mm-hmm. Stars Elizabeth Moss as a woman whose boyfriend has apparently killed himself, but uh, seems to be finding a way to taunt her from beyond the grave. Uh, always, spoiler alert, he's not dead. Uh, he's invisible. There you go. <laughs> it actually looked uh, pretty good. Uh, even though, you know, it's one of these universal monster movies. started out with, uh, like, Tom Cruise in that Mummy movie. I see. Uh, I never watched it. I, I didn't see that either. But uh, I think it's one of these. It is one of. It, it's in that universe. It's supposed to be one of these universal monster movies, and I none of those have been very good uh, yet. No. Um, and I don't know. This one looked pretty cool. Uh, it's rated R for what the studio calls strong bloody violence, and I don't know. It looked pretty good. Uh, it may not be too bad. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, as a one, maybe a one-off. Uh, this one can be good. Uh, even DC has a few hits, man. Uh, Wonder, <laughs> Wonder Woman and Aquaman are pretty good. I enjoyed Wonder Woman. I, <laughs> I loved Wonder Woman. Man. It was a great movie. I'm looking forward to Wonder Woman 1984, but we'll talk about that on a different podcast. Uh, lots to talk about the Morbius trailer this week. Speaking of superheroes, uh, Morbius is a comic book character in the MCU. Uh, I think he became a vampire when researching some disease that he he had, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Said one, some something. sort of immune disease? Yeah, or? something yeah. like that. So he... Uh, Anyway, he's got, you know, the vampire bloodlust, but he preys on criminals. Uh, that's how he uh, justifies it. He hates that he's a vampire and he has to suck blood, but he, uh, you know, he preys on people he thinks deserve it. So Jared Leto uh, stars as the titular vampire, you know, Jordan Catalano. Yeah. Uh, what is it, 30 Seconds to Mars or 50 Seconds to Mars? I can't 30 remember. Seconds 30 Seconds to Mars. 30 Seconds to Mars, yeah. yeah. I actually like him. I, I, I like him. He's I, I think a he's, great actor. I think he's a really good actor, uh, and he's shredded as hell in this movie. Man. Yeah, <laughs> so, he is. is this horror? I don't know. I think it's about as close as you're going to get in the MCU. And and the trailer looked looked uh, kind of like a horror movie, so that's why I'm talking it about had, it. Yeah, it had a horror feel. I actually watched it, Andy. I, yeah. And you know me. I'm not a comic book guy. Right. There are some... You know, sometimes I'll buy into the hype and go watch the movie, for example, Endgame. Yeah. I'm really enjoyed myself with that. I mm-hmm. watched this, and I am... Um, more than slightly intrigued yeah to go see it yeah and it, it really has a horror vibe to it so i don't know it'd be kind of interesting to see that in the mcu but uh we'd mentioned back that slipknot frontman corley Corey taylor had penned a horror movie well word this week that tom savini will be doing the effects for this film nice yeah uh arrow in the head which is a website i've been getting that's actually been a lot better than bloody disgusting lately arrow in the head's got a lot of good news lately uh, reports the movie is in pre-production, but not much else is known about it. There's no title. Nobody really knows anything about it other than that it will be a horror movie. I'm so. intrigued. <clears throat> I'm very intrigued. This, did you uh, get a chance to watch the, uh, the the documentary on Tom Savini on Shutter yet? I didn't get it. See, I, I uh, browsed past it when I was on Shutter the other night, but I didn't, and I almost watched it, but I did not get a chance to see it. So. If you've got an hour and a half to kill, watch it. It's it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, it it looks and he's an incredible uh, effects artist from. Really, a piece of horror history. 
You know, yeah. he's, he's really a, a got his place in horror history. Um, Fantasy Island is now rated PG-13, I guess, for violence, horror, drug content, suggestive material, and brief, strong language. Uh, Erwin the Head suggested that probably means someone says, time to get off the effing island at some point <laughs> <laughs> in the movie. I guess I didn't expect much more of it than a PG-13 from this. I mean, yeah. you got this uh, kind of uh, franchise from the past that was on TV. Uh, they're probably under contract to bring it under PG-13. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to whine about it. I'll probably still see it at some point. I like the concept. Uh, that's moving up to actually to a February 14th release date. I think it was uh, supposed to come out late, later in February, and they moved it up hmm. to Valentine's Day for some reason. We Perfect got a uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. Fantasy Island. Uh, careful what you wish for. You want people thinking that on Valentine's Day. Prompt's uh, <laughs> the Boy sequel coming up February 28th, along with Invisible Man. And we have The Lodge coming out February 7th. Mm-hmm. That seems like kind of an interesting movie. It looks like one of these uh, isolating winter movies I really like. Yeah. So uh, I watched the trailer to that. I, I watched that again. And yeah, it does another one that's really intriguing. It, it looks like we've got some really good. Solid movies coming out this year. Yeah, so I'm, absolutely. I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. I'm still intrigued by Brahms the Boy. We'll see. I really like the first one, as I said, and I've been talking about it for, I don't know. I think you've had to hear about it every, every uh, other episode here lately, but it's probably not that great a movie. But well, uh, Like you said about kicking off the episode of that you watched it one time and it just didn't catch your attention or catch your fancy, and yeah. I think I need to give that one another watch. Yeah, I was... I, I was I was uh, entertained by that movie. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was it had a really good vibe. I thought it was scary, and uh, I, th- I thought it was a good movie. The second one, uh, the trailer to it, it looks pretty frightening. It's got Katie Holmes in it. It, it does, yeah. And, I, and the doll just like like is creepy. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> that's what I liked about the uh, really liked about the first one. So and you could see its eyes move. That yes, was pretty. Rad. Yes, you can. Well, I guess uh, I guess we'll see how that uh, is on tw- February twenty eighth. Uh, you have some trivia for Hereditary? I do. Director Ari Aster makes an appearance, so to speak, in Hereditary. That's a hint. What was his part? Boy, I don't know. Uh, was he one of the teachers? No. No. I no, you remember I did not when, know this. Remember when the character Annie gets a call from the museum about how her, uh, after everything that went down, and he was very apologetic? Yeah, and, okay. That's Ari Aster on the Really? That's, yeah. a, that's his voice? Yeah. Oh, wow. He does a little voice acting, huh? Yeah. So, I, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, that is cool. <laughs> He's, he's very understanding. He's trying to be very understanding. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, scene. Hereditary never specifically says where it takes place, but uh, by looking at the landscape and a few license plates, you, you can discern that the film happens in this state. Gosh. I, I, I'm sorry I do research. Utah. Mm-hmm. It's Utah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's Park thing- City, Utah. Is that where they filmed it? Park City? Well, they did most of it. That's where they got the scenes, and that's where they built the sound studio for the okay. uh, for the house. Okay. See, I thought it, I thought it was Colorado because it really looks like uh, this part of Colorado that I go to quite a bit. But but uh, it, it could be either or. Yeah, because I mean, they've got the same kind of landscape. They, they really do. Landscape. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure that that part of uh, Utah has the same kind of landscape that uh, that that part of Colorado that I go to uh, often does. Uh, and there's this thing that Astor said about this that I really think was kind of neat. That the mountains were very beautiful and breathtaking, but they're also very ominous and and scary and powerful, you know. So I th- I thought that was uh, it really was interesting to have it set in a place like that because like a lot of times these are just filmed right in Los Angeles, you know, and you don't yeah they take stock footage of, of whatever right, and you could see the mountains in the background and stuff like when uh, she went to the store and saw the uh, saw the medium lady um, who was I will talk about her but she was fantastically <laughs> played. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, I really like that character, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the uh, it really gave a different kind of look to the movie. It was interesting, I think, For the sure. uh, the choice of location there. So, so basically, uh, uh, the way we're going to start this off, and we were trying to think of a name of it, and I think Andy has the perfect uh, idea for it, is that we give you a really quick synopsis, <laughs> uh, because Andy was a marketing writer and, and very right. creative, and seriously, they're great, because it's better than anything you'd read with any other synopsis, because... And he put some thought and some heart into it, but it's called Chainsaw the Plot. Yes, the Chainsaw Plot, because we chopped the plot up and do a couple sentences here. Uh, the only discernible professional skill I have is copywriting, so I try to keep that up by distilling <laughs> our horror movies plot into a few sentences here. Uh, and this one for Horrorphoria's Chainsawed Plot uh, for Hereditary is when Annie's difficult mother dies, it brings back sadness and resentment. But that's not that all that will be coming back. 
Hauntings and horrific events unfold as she tries to keep her sanity and family together. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to get into Ari Aster a little bit. So we did review a couple of weeks ago, uh, back in November, midsummer uh, from 2019. We both enjoyed the film, but there's one thing that that I, I I guess you could say he carried from this movie over to midsummer, and it's the dealing with grief and sadness. You're absolutely right. Like I have not gotten a feeling of dread and sadness as much as I have out of those two movies. Like the uh you know the after after her sister commits suicide in midsummer it's it's as awful and dreadful as as the you know the what happens in this movie yeah that's exactly right and and the other thing he carries over is horrific things having happening in a beautiful um a, a setting yeah you know, it's bright. It's uh, there were some dark scenes, but but I mean, when it's bright, there's still bad things happening. And it's right. like like you said, in Utah. I mean, the landscape is beautiful. It's like a high plains with beautiful mountains in the background right. and and snow covered and everything like that. And it's just, I mean, it it, it makes it more uncomfortable. It, it almost because, does because yeah. like if it's dark, then at least you you know you're in that mindset. But when you see bright and beautiful and and great. You know, I guess you'd call it the aesthetic is this is, you know, it should be a place of safety. And it's not. It's really not. No, it's, I mean, it's it's like it, it, these things are there. It's beautiful. It's it's calming. You you know, it's a place you might go to get some peace. And instead, all of these terrible things are happening that's, in this in this setting, you know, and, and I really do think that's unique and lends something to both of these films. That's for sure. Okay, here's your uh, spoiler alert. We're going to talk about Hereditary from 2018 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie and you do want to see it, go ahead and pod the pod, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back to hear what we have to say. So we kick off the movie with just a black and white screen, the obituary of Ellen. Right. Who's the matriarch of this family. Um, you know, it just says, very simple one, you know, she... Uh, passed away from a long illness, was staying with uh, her daughter, Annie, survived by this, survived by that. And then we go to a scene, um, a treehouse. You know, you see the picture of the treehouse, mountains in the background, it's daylight. Um, the score is dark, man. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's just so, very ominous, and, and it, it really is. And there's, there's, it's even more, the sound in this movie um, is really used to, to like, deepen the darkness uh in in it there's so there's this like um i listen to this you know i got that theater room at my at my house you should come watch a movie on it sometime i want to see it. <laughs> and uh so it's got you know i've got one of these it's like a 7.1 system or whatever i'm trying trying to brag about my system but it's got like you know a subwoofer and there's this like drone coming from the subwoofer that's yeah. not a part of you know the move it's not like a piece of music or anything it's just this like bass noise that's coming out of there and like it a rising yeah like it, it is you notice that too I did. It, it was and like i i was like well is my furnace on or it's so i paused the movie and it goes away you know it's part of the movie yeah and i think it, it just kind of you know it's it's vibrating kind of the room a little bit and giving you just even more of a a feeling that uh of uncomfortableness you know and that's yeah and that's exactly how discomfort the movie starts i mean and yeah. Okay, somebody passes away of old age or, or a long illness. Okay, you get that. But I mean, yeah, the, the score itself. And then um, there's this great cinematography. And I'm going to mention the cinematography a lot throughout this movie is, you know, it's scanning around this room and you realize it's a bunch of dollhouses or models of dollhouse type things. But so, so well done. Mm -hmm. And it pans from one to another. And then it kind of hones in on the shot of a room and it goes in there and then it becomes the actual room in the house. Right. So uh, Steve, uh, who's played by uh, Gabriel Byrne, is the dad. Mm -hmm. uh, comes in to get Peter, who's the son. He's sleeping. Uh, here's your suit. We're getting ready for the funeral. Right. It's Peter's bedroom. And, uh, you know, it, you, it, these these miniatures really do look realistic. And, and you know, it, 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 it was... It was a really interesting. Uh, the cinematography was great in that scene where it's like, is this looks real? Yeah, you know? just and just that like, one oh, shot of, of scanning around the room of these different models that are being right. built because Annie's a, a model sculptor type, right. I, I guess. Um, but the way it scans around the room and then hones in on that one room where you know it's an exact replica of Peter's, Peter's and then, bedroom, then it yeah. goes, it edits right into 
Stephen walking in to wake up Peter for the funeral, give him the suit. And that was just like, I was like blown away going, mm-hmm. that yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was a really, it was a really cool shot. So the uh, gets the suit, tells him to get up. Uh, then yeah, he goes to find Charlie. She's not in her room. Charlie's the daughter, 13 year old girl. She's called eccentric. Very, uh, you know, <laughs> she's eccentric. She's got some eccentricities. Yeah, I would say <laughs> uh, she's actually sleeping in the. Uh, treehouse she gets scolded by steven because you know it's good you'll get pneumonia it's so cold out here um but she was fine uh cut to the scene of the funeral and right. annie the mother is giving the eulogy yeah talking it's, about her mom ellen being secretive and private right and just it almost seems like 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 she tries to make uh, tries to make a joke or, or bring some levity to it of like she'd be really surprised if all these people but then she kind of goes like you know my mom was totally messed up yeah um, it's 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 obviously it's obvious that she's had conflict with her mother from this u- eulogy i always want to call it a you googly from uh from zoolander but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you didn't think i knew a big word like you googly um but it's it's like clear that that she's had like some conflict with her mother and this yes. is not like a fawning like a typical eulogy where you would uh you know you would really bring out all the good the best parts of this person she was life. a lovely person she gave right. to charity she would always give her time you know yeah. no she really yeah. didn't no she was she was uh she was really kind of um telling some of the bad things about her mother in this eulogy i think in a nice way but in, it was it was very polite exactly uh but there also see she also seemed to have a lot of sadness about her death i got the feeling that she was you know there was this sadness about about the death because i think the beginning of the movie just sets this tone of sadness you know it's a funeral and it's I, I think I disagree only, you know, when we get later, uh, something else that happens. Yeah, right. The big thing. Yeah, um, the big thing. <laughs> no, because, it, like, after that, it, like, like I'll just wrap up the funeral scene, is that you um, you realize that Charlie, it sets up character, uh, a little bit of character build. Charlie, mm-hmm. uh, she's eccentric. She eats a lot of chocolate. She's very creative, uh, just creating things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's eating a candy bar or a chocolate bar at the funeral and the dad or, or Stephen and uh, Annie say, well, are there nuts in that? No, she's allergic to nuts. So you right. got that. Um, you know, she's sitting there drawing and her dad closes the book while the eulogy is happening. And then you see people paying their respects. And then you see a lady go up and touch Ellen, who's the grandmother who had passed away lips. Yeah. And then you see this picture of this, or, or you see the shot of the symbol on her necklace, yeah. which is, out, it, I mean, if you don't know anything about the movie, you'll get it later. But, but it just, it was kind of a weird shot to me when I first watched it. It was like, oh, okay. So that maybe has something to do with later in the movie. Mm-hmm. But, but then she, I'll, I'll get back to where you, you feel the sadness. I think she was sad because of the tragedy of her family. Okay. Which which we get to later because she she specifically comes home and says as soon as they get back from the funeral she said um I should be sadder. Yeah. She does say that. I mean right when they walk through the door and and talks to Steven and says I should be sadder. Right. Mhm. Like she's not sad at all. She she does say that. You're right. But I I still think there's this uh I think she there is this like maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's a Maybe it's the sadness that she's not sad enough for something. I don't know. But I, I, I get the feeling. First of all, Charlie has a lot of sadness about this, too, because she was obviously close to her grandma. Right. And um, the the overall scene, I think, has a mood of sadness. Mm-hmm. And and I and maybe that's it. Maybe maybe Annie just feels like she should be sad and she really isn't. I that could, could, could be. And, I, and she did specifically say that. You're right. So. Um, but but I really do think there is a um, a tone of like dread and sadness in this in this uh, funeral scene and overall even if it's not coming from Annie necessarily no, no it, you didn't it really, you didn't get it's, that it's just, no it's dark I mean I agree hundred yeah. percent I I think there was I mean there was nothing there that that was uplifting I mean because and again Annie set the tone of of giving this eulogy of not really saying anything anything wonderful about Ellen yeah. I mean, no, yeah, right. No, she doesn't, right? No, she she really doesn't. And like you said, politely kind of jabs her mom, you know, mm-hmm. as yeah. far as like she was mm-hmm. secretive and uh, very private. And okay, so what does that mean? Right. Uh, they end up getting home and then um, 
and he goes back to her modeling thing and and creating hospice of the the last moments of her mom's life when she went to hospice um she goes in to talk to charlie uh lets her know that oh you were always grandma's favorite right um Char- and the, that that conversation was really like it, it was disturbing because charlie brought up the fact of well uh she wished I was a boy. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and you're like, well, what's going on with that? And, and you know, this is back and forth. And, and she goes, who's going to take care of me? Because she wants her grandma. Right. Mm-hmm. And Annie goes, well, I'm going to take care of you. Well, after you die. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, you do a double take. And then, right. you know, Annie says, uh, well, your dad or Peter. And then. You know, uh, Annie looks up and there's something carved in the wall. Yeah, that's right. I, I forgot what it was, but there was something carved in the wall. But that that was just, I mean, for me, that whole conversation was just dark. Right. I mean, and Wasn't there was, it, there was, was no connection to her daughter. Like, there, she didn't have any connection to her kids throughout the entire movie. Like, she's... Yeah, I would... Yeah, and you know, she, she has this, like, uh, she obviously had some, you know, issues with them throughout their life up to this point because she did have like you know she was thinking about burning them or whatever you know well, you, yeah you find out that you find out later that uh, so you know th- there is kind of a disconnect there and she doesn't uh maybe it's like the sadness she thinks she should feel for her uh for her mother's death is the, like the love she should have for her children maybe it's just not kind of not there and she just feels like she should feel this way about them and and she doesn't have that. I don't like know. She's going through the motions or something. Yeah, like, that? like she's got. That's that's kind of the the feeling I get about her character as as far as her relationship with her children because it seems like she kind of does resent them. Yeah, um, I, I, I kind of got that too. I kind of got the fact or the, the the feeling of, you know, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do as a mom to comfort my child. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously. Charlie had a very, very good relationship with her grandmother. I mean, I don't know yeah. how healthy it was. Yeah, I and and I think that she was had some maybe jealousy about sure, that. Yeah. Uh, one of the, if you look closely, I don't know if you saw this, but one of the miniatures she made was of like Charlie's birth, I think, and like the grandma figure is like offering up her breasts to the. Uh, to the child yeah so. in the mo- yeah yes yeah. I did see so that. so i think she's got some real issues with charlie and and uh the grandma's relationship mm-hmm. um and i don't know I, I don't know what that says uh and clearly very very bad uh she does not feel uh she's very conflicted about you know her son mm-hmm. and uh and that comes out later too oh, so yeah. <laughs> there, there's yeah. one there's one yeah there's one a, line in there i just went whoa my mouth <laughs> yes. it's hard for me to go oh yeah exactly so um, okay so they have this conversation disturbing and then you see this thing carved in the wall and he goes into her uh modeling room. <laughs> see when i say that it sounds weird modeling room. <laughs> yeah um it's a workshop <laughs> uh, okay goes to her perfect thank you uh goes to uh, her workshop she goes through ellen's boxes she finds these notes on spiritualism mm-hmm. and then there's this note in there it's like an apology note but at the end of it and i paused it to get the exact wording our sacrifice will compare will pale in comparison to its rewards <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and that means something i mean it was it was like andy like throughout this movie there are little things in here that you don't notice your first go around and you just start writing that well and, and what we do you know taking notes and being able to talk about have a semi-intelligent conversation about it is oh yeah okay yeah, and it, like I said, the second time I watched this, and I did no, I noticed that this time, like that—that's something that would have probably gone over my head a little bit mm-hmm. the first time. Uh, but yeah, I definitely noticed what that note said and what it was talking about this the second time. So yeah, and then uh, you see a ghost of Ellen. Yes, that made me jump, dude. I mean, I've seen <laughs> it three it. times. Every time it's made me. Yeah, oh. and you know. I don't think Astor was really going for jump scares here. It, it was that was just terrifying just to see, and it wasn't really a jump scare. You noticed it, and it was like, "Whoa, yeah!" Well, you know? she was she it, didn't it was, look no frightening, but it was like there, there, yes, exactly. And that that's the thing about this movie. There really aren't any jump scares like traditional jump scares where you have an orchestra hit, you know, and and you try to scare yeah, like a bill. But yeah, no, there's there nothing. Was no like, bill. There there's nothing there. like that. Like yeah. where you know, uh, you like. 
something comes out of the comes out of the silence or whatever and it it startles you you know it made sense because she's going through ellen's stuff and then all of a sudden you know she reads this note she looks up she sees the ghost of ellen standing right there mm-hmm. and it, but it, it wasn't like there was an orchestral hit you know and, no, and no, like, no, no, she was just there and that was terrifying mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah, like, whoa and there's a lot a lot of things like that in this movie where you see something in the, in the scene and it's just enough to, to terrify you just from seeing it it doesn't have to like be a you know, uh, this uh, big sound that comes out or whatever that boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. To, <laughs> so, to add to the jump scare, there right. wasn't that. You're there right. There wasn't that. No. Uh, so we go to uh, school next day. Charlie is uh, in her classroom. She because she takes little trinkets and like things that she finds and she makes toys with them like right. with her hands. And the teacher comes up behind her and says, hey, Charlie, uh, do you want to make the toy after you do your quiz? So she does the quiz right after that. Another like immediate jump scare. No build up to it mm-hmm. is a pigeon runs right into the window. Really hard. Yeah. yeah. Bam. You know, and it makes you jump. And you're like, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> um, so it goes to the next scene of Charlie's eating a chocolate bar and she finds this bird on top of a hedge, has a pair of scissors and cuts the bird's Just head off with the scissors. <laughs> Was, yeah, it was. I wasn't quite sure what was happening there the first time. I, yeah, I, and she cut it off, and then you know she turned around, and there's this lady across the street, staring at her, and waves at her. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, yeah, and, and it's like all this stuff starts making sense later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you got these random scenes, and you think, I mean, it could be a little irritating the first time you see it, but it's like. Like, oh, okay, I know what this is or, yeah. or why this was placed here. Um, so Annie like goes to the, back to the house. Annie goes into Ellen's room. Mysteriously, the door is open. For, mm-hmm. uh, and she had it locked up or, or whatever. She, right. The door was closed, but it was mysteriously open. And there's like a triangle carved yeah, into exactly. the floor. <laughs> it, and it's like you notice a triangle like right, right in the corner. And the way Ari Aster, again, the cinematography in this is brilliant. Because the way he positions the camera is you see it. Mm-hmm. If you're not paying attention, you may miss it, but it's right there in your face. Right. So there's a triangle, and it's like, why is there a triangle there? Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, there's a phone call from the cemetery about Ellen's grave being desecrated. Um, you know, he lies, to, or Stephen lies to Annie, saying, "Oh yeah, it's a it's a billing thing." So. Right. Um. Then Annie lies about go to going to the movies. Yes. She ends mm-hmm. up going to this uh, support group therapy group right this is where this is where you kind of figure out you know we were talking about the sadness for her mom Mm -hmm. this is where i got the vibe of no she's just messed up like 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 her her trying to balance her own life maybe that's where her sadness is coming from is because she talks about you know her dad died when she was little her brother died young and did you notice that the the men the males died early yeah. From mental illness. Yes, and it was. And it, well, I wondered about that the second time I watched that, too, because she said that her brother, like, ranted about her mother trying to put people inside of him. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so was he? And I think that's a that's an interesting theme of this movie. It's like, it is uh, is this demonic stuff happening, or is it is it just people's mental illness that's causing them to think some of this stuff? Uh, because that, she said, remember that? She said, my brother thought that my mother was trying to put people inside of him. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what she's trying to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's, well, we'll get to that. But. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, she also brings up the fact that Ellen had attached herself to Charlie so that you yeah. brought up the model scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Annie wouldn't let Ellen near Peter. Like mm-hmm. Peter was the oldest. So, so she just kind of kept, I guess what happened to the brother, like very protective of, of Peter when he was born. Yeah. And then, you know, more giving Ellen to Charlie, so that's why, and she blames herself for that. So right, so the models in this are very interesting. They like there's a model of a house that has like a like two houses upside down underneath it. Did you notice that one? I noticed that at the end. Yeah, and like I think there's a lot going on with the models. It's almost like uh, in Midsummer where you see those uh, tapestries. Yeah, just symbolism kind of or, or exactly what's going what, on, telling you what's going to happen. Yeah, I, and I, and I feel like that come comes there, there's a lot of explanation and things that goes into some of these models because there was that house model yeah later on i think that is but it's got like a houses underneath it and stuff and uh and that's not there later on it's it's not an actual model i think it's just like a uh 
like when, so they come down that same staircase uh, when, and they run up the same staircase when, when she chases them later mm-hmm. and that's not there. It's like a, uh, it's like a cupboard or something. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I think just like he used the tapestries in Midsummer, he's using these models to kind of foreshadow and tell, tell things that maybe just aren't real explicit in the, in the movie. I agree. So. I, I, I didn't pay attention. I did pay attention to some of the things that were going on. Like I really did notice that one scene uh, of the model in the workshop of of um, Ellen being like standing over the bed. Yeah, well, right. When, you mm-hmm. know when when um, Annie was uh, just had Charlie. So mm-hmm. yeah, I did notice that. But the other things, yeah, maybe I should. And, make, there, and there's also a model where like uh, the grandma. I forget what her name is now. I can't think of Ellen. it. Ellen. Ellen is like standing in their doorway and the light is coming through. You can yes. see like uh, through her night nightgown or whatever, you mm. know? So I don't know what, what that said, what that was trying to say. I wasn't, I'm not smart enough to discern that. I'll have to watch it again and try to figure that one out. But I mean, I think there's a lot going on in these models that tell us behind the scenes what's happening that, you know, kind of gives you exactly what's going to happen or what is right, happening at the time. Right, or explains things that aren't uh, maybe clear about about the film. So, sure. Um, so, uh, Peter, we haven't gotten much into. Peter's just your quintessential 16, 17-year-old kid. He's a pot smoker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he still likes the uh, pot, yeah. Yeah, we talked about Charlie being the eccentric. Um, Charlie, there's a scene where Charlie wanders outside and following footsteps while she's holding the head of the bird in her hand. Mm-hmm. And then she sees a vision of her grandmother by a lake of fire. Right. Um, Annie comes out and kind of scolds her. What are you doing? You know, you're bare feet or you're barefoot. You're not supposed to come out. You're going to catch a cold, whatever. Um, before that, Peter had gotten invited to a party and asked to borrow the car. Right. So there's a girl that sits in front of him in his class, and yeah. I think he's got something for her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It doesn't seem like she's interested in him at all. You not know. Really. Uh, so he, but he goes to this party because she's going to be there, you know? Um, and, uh, <laughs> that was kind of an interesting, uh, I, I don't know what that, if that was trying to say something too, but, uh, he, he clearly, she really could care less about him. You know, uh, he, she doesn't pay attention. She's kind of being rude to him at the party until he says he's got weed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's <laughs> yeah, go. We got like, a bong up here. Let's right. Go. And then like a bunch of her friends are upstairs. It's not like she just wants to hang out with him. It's, uh, she wants to give some of the weed to her friends, but for sure. Uh, there's a, uh, another couple sitting on the bed going, Hey, right. Peter's right, got some weed. Let's right, go. Right. Uh, before they get there and uh, it, it kind of, it sticks out in my brain right now is that you see that same symbol that you saw at the beginning of the movie on the necklace mm-hmm. carved into a light pole really? as they're okay. driving to the party. Really? Yes. That's some foreshadowing too, I assume. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. But the thing is, is it just stops right there as the car drives by and you okay. see it. Interesting. Um, you won't notice you it on the first that. one because you're like, okay, what does this symbol mean? Yeah. And then you realize what it means later. Yeah. Um, so they get to the party. You know, Peter obviously is really into this girl. So he takes, he's got his weed, takes him up there, starts smoking and leaves Charlie downstairs. They're making cake. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what <laughs> they're high school party yes. where they're making cake. A chocolate nut cake. She's yeah. chopping up nuts to put into the uh, chocolate nugget. I don't know. I've never done any baking at, well... <laughs> Not any traditional baking at uh, okay. parties. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, so. Uh, so, so remember, we talked about Charlie being allergic to nuts. Uh, mm-hmm. Peter tells her to have a piece of cake. She yep. eats a piece of cake. She's making another toy, and she starts wheezing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Peter takes a bong rip, and <laughs> here comes Charlie. That's nice hit, too. <laughs> uh, Charlie comes walking into the, uh, uh, into the room and saying, uh, Peter... My throat is starting to close up or, or starting mm-hmm. to swell up. So he's like, uh oh, she just had nuts. So yeah. he books it out of there, take like getting her to the hospital. Um and for some reason there's a carcass on the road. He happens to swerve right exactly right. where the light pole is. She's sticking her head out the window to yeah, get some trying air. to get trying to get her breath. You right. know, trying to get fresh air or whatever. Yeah. Um and Hits then the pole. Bam, you see her hit the pole. But you don't know exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. And then Peter sits there and, man, the most heartbreaking scene. Yes. Or one of the most heartbreaking scenes. I think that's a fantastic, like, Ari Aster could have showed her body or something. It would have been terrible and, yeah. you know, awful. But I think the way he did this made it more awful and more dreadful and made you, you know, think about what just happened even 
even worse, you know. I mean, I think it's caught, even worse than. Yeah, you caught a glimpse of her hitting the pole, mm-hmm. and that was it. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what happened. The and most you, effective part of that scene was Peter sitting there. He's like got some sort of shock, and then it like reality sets in, and something's mm-hmm. going on, and he just mm-hmm. teared. This kid is a great actor. What's oh his name? yeah, yeah, Tom uh, Wolf or something like that. Um, the the kid was awesome. Alex so, Wolf. Yeah. Alex Wolf, mm-hmm. and and you know you just see him processing what's going on and <laughs> he doesn't know what to do so he's high and and under the influence so he just drives home he just slowly drives away from the from the scene of this and and that's it i mean you, you Ari Aster shows his face and his reaction to this we don't see charlie uh in charlie's face until later uh you know, yeah, he I, doesn't even look in the rear view he just no just straight dr- ahead, straight ahead goes to bed yeah uh, so this is based on an actual thing that happened. Somebody, uh, this actually happened, I guess. Uh, it was two two friends. It wasn't somebody's uh, brother and sister, but uh, the guy was drunk and he, the guy hit his head on a pole and he drove home and went to bed. <laughs> didn't realize. <laughs> he, I mean, I think, yeah, no, he realized what had happened. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I think, I think it is such a shock or whatever. And, you know, the, the, the guy, the uh, Peter is high, so he he doesn't know what to do. So he just goes home and goes to bed. It's uh, I don't think a, a like I said, this really happened. I don't, I don't think it's out of the uh, or uh, out of the. It, it could happen, is what I'm saying. You know, this could be your reaction to this. Sure, and, and I don't and think it would be. Uh, it didn't seem. You're right. It doesn't seem out of the norm of what no. Peter did. No, because he's still in shock, and he right. But he's out of the realization of what happened. Or, right. And maybe he doesn't even want to know exactly mm-hmm. what happened. He knows something bad happened. Exactly. And another just f- great decision by Ari Aster here is this scene where um, Annie discovers uh, what has happened in the car. That's right afterwards. Yes. Like, I- I'll talk again. The editing on this was beautiful. Because, Absolutely. Because you see Peter laying in his bed, his eyes wide open, just glazed over. And it fades into the morning. Like mm-hmm. you see the light coming over and it, the, it's seamless. Mm-hmm. And then you hear um, Stephen and Annie having a conversation. Hey, oh, hey, I'm going to take the car. I got to go to the store and go get some groceries or whatever. And then like like what he did audibly is that you hear her walk down the stairs and close the door, the front door. And then you hear her open the car door. Stop. Scream like the most gut wrenching kick in the gut scream you've ever heard right and and we just and peter's face is focused on the whole time that's all we see is peter's face you hear this in the background it's an amazing scene i mean it really was a brilliant decision uh to focus just on that i mean he could have he could have shown annie walking out there again Mm -hmm. he could have shown her discovering uh charlie's body and it would have been terrible and and ter- 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 horrible and you know it went a shock but this was an even better de- this is a way better de- way to depict this it's it was it so was, awful yeah <laughs> it was off screen and you felt uh, you, you felt did. it as if you were right there with her just yes making that discovery and you're just like because wow. you know what's happening and you know what she's seeing but you're all, all you're seeing is peter's face on on the screen it's amazing amazing scene. and then and then what it does another piece of editing is as the way he's positioned mm-hmm. that it does a cutscene of Charlie's head covered yes, in ants. Yes, and she's the exact, <laughs> but she's the exact same way. She's facing yeah. like like prone and looking towards the camera, right? And covered in ants. And yes. Like, oh man, <laughs> that gore was like really. Effective. Yes, and that was just that was a great. Like I said, it was just fantastic. This whole scene, this whole uh, you know the the whole thing from when her head hits the pole mm-hmm. I- until you see her actual face. It's perfect. It's just great. I couldn't. Could you, it's a brilliant filmmaking. Yeah, and then uh, it goes to a scene where uh, Stephen and Charlie, or no, Stephen and Annie are in um, what you call it. They're uh, they're in their room, and Annie's still crying. She's still mm-hmm. letting out that butt, blood yeah. girly scream. Right. And she then, is mourning. And, yeah, and, she and, yeah. she just she can't. She I want to die, and she she, <laughs> right. she she can't handle this. And then it fades to the 
funeral where she's making the same noise mm-hmm. where the Utah background is while, while they're uh, at the funeral. And it's just like tiny coffin is going into the earth oh, and, and it shows like it, like the ground going to, Oh man, it's yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, it really like the whole thing and just the way he shot that. There's so many different directions he could have gone, but I mean, it mm-hmm. was like so freaking brilliant, brilliant um, filmmaking. Yeah, uh, goes to the nighttime. The dad's looking through uh, Charlie's uh, drawings. She she drew the pigeon head or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the lights in the treehouse go on, but they're red this time. Right, and you're like, well, what's going on here? You, comes to find out, Annie. You know, she is so distraught. She doesn't know what to do. She can't stay in the house. She's got to go be closer to where Charlie is, mm-hmm. you know, or, or her spirit, where she thinks her spirit is. So she sleeps out in the treehouse with uh, space heaters so she doesn't catch her pneumonia or whatever. Right. Um, Peter's in, in school. He, he's a basket case right now. You know, he, he's just having these visions. And it, I thought a really good scene was is he, he looks up and then he sees rear view and he sees her body. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh, they go to the bleachers. Uh, he and his friends are, you know, he's just trying to deal with it. And, you know, he, he starts. Is that empathetic? What where he was like, oh, my throat's closing up. I, I think so. Yeah. Like he was yeah. starting to uh-huh. like go through what Charlie right. was while right. he was underneath the bleachers and right. you know, getting starts... high with his friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, empathy for Charlie. We get to the uh, we get to the scene with um, Joan. Where yeah, we meet Joan. yeah. Well, like because like, Joan is from the uh, group that uh, Annie had gone to before. Yeah, she lost her son and her grandson. Uh, before that, it, this this scene was great. Uh, that that Charlie or uh, Peter had gotten home on his bike, and it looked like Annie was sleeping in the car. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Peter drops his bike. He goes inside. As soon as he goes inside, she takes off. Yeah, that's like, right. Like right away. Mm-hmm. So she goes back to the uh, the grievance uh, place. Uh, she was getting ready to go in, but she goes, oh, no, I can't do this. And then all of a sudden, Joan go, comes up to her car and says, oh, hey, you know, uh, how you doing? She goes, what do you mean? Oh, a couple months ago, you lost your mom. And then they have kind of a, a moment of, I lost my son and my grandson. Well, I lost my daughter. Uh, here's my number. Give me a call. Right. Uh, then she's working on a model. She ends up calling Joan right? Uh, um, and goes over to her place. She sees this embroidery on the floor or, or into it's the like a uh, doormat. Right? Yeah, the doormat. Yeah. And she tells Joan that, hey, my mom used to make these things for everybody. Right. And it looked very, very familiar to her. Right. Um, so I, I, I got to say, like, Joan. Well, go, go on. This is, this is where she convinces her to do the seance no 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 no. that's later this is later this is where she reveals that she almost lit her kids on fire sleepwalking oh that's right yeah okay uh she shares shares a story that she was a sleepwalker Mm -hmm. and then um when they were when the kids were younger peter and um and charlie shared a room that's right and she walked in and they were doused in kerosene she was doused in kerosene when she was about ready to light the match she woke up and she felt that Peter had resentment because he realized that she was trying to kill trying him. To kill him. Yeah, that is an important scene, right? That's right. So, um, so th- they were all covered in it, but she just said, she swears it was just sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. She, oh, I, I would never do anything to hurt right. my kids. So, um, so what, is, what? What? What was that? Is that just her resentment towards him, or is she trying to? Uh, does she know subconsciously what's? Uh, that that they're trying to bring this demon back into the uh, world and she's trying to stop it or wh- what exactly was happening there I think she was trying to stop it yeah I think she realized what what the family was all about and right. you know we get to the end of the movie um, she gets possessed so then there's none of that right um, yeah so uh, she goes back into her workshop <laughs> she makes a model exactly of what Charlie's death scene looked like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the decapitated right. head, her he- out the car uh-huh. against the light pole with the symbol on the light pole. And yeah. uh, Steven comes in there. He's like, are you serious? <laughs> Do you, you really want to make this? You know, we've got our son Peter out there that may come in and see this. You really want him to right. see this. So she, he... He's the guy, you know, Gabriel Byrne did such a great job in this movie, but he was the guy holding this family together. He was the glue. He was like... He sure was, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, 
you're you're losing it. You know, I'm, I'm right. trying to help you out here. Um, uh, so th- then um, they go to uh, or, or she goes to the art store to get some more supplies. This is where she runs into That's Joan. Right. So she it. just happens to run into Joan. Joan happens, to be, happens to be there. And then Jonah invites her back to her house. Right. And uh, convinces her to do a seance with her, uh, which Annie is very reluctant to do. Right. But I thought that this is one of the best pieces of acting in this movie is Anne Dowd in this scene. Mm-hmm. Like, she's so she's so nice and convinces her. Like, I, I, was, I was like, what the hell? You would she, do a seance here? She was and the I, most polite mali- yes, manipulator I've yes, ever seen. Yes, I mean, she was so manipulative and, and just sit, did such a, a brilliant job of acting in this scene. I, I really thought she did. She was one of the best actors in this film, and doubt just amazing in, in this role. Because she really did. She, I was like, by the by the time she they were doing it, I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she could have well, no, convinced it, me to do a seance. Yeah, the seance, <laughs> the seance brought back her, her uh, grandson. So basically... Right convinces uh um tony collette annie that that you know this can really happen because mm-hmm. the grandson's writing i love you grammy or right Grandma. so now yes she's she's uh, he's writing that in on a chalkboard which was apparently his chalkboard or whatever um so then annie goes and tries to do this it's like one o'clock in the morning right and she goes oh, and yeah, tries to do this she wakes up the family and tries to, to bring Charlie back this yeah. way. Now, are these seances actually bringing back like this woman's grandson and Charlie, or is it bringing this uh, demon into the world? Is that I, I how think, they did that? I think it was bringing the demon back. I think I, it I, was too. I think I, th- I think this payment. is how yeah this is how they get payment into the world is is because they uh, they can they make her do a seance to try to bring her daughter back. Right? right. Is, is that what's going on here? Mm-hmm. That's that's the idea i got in my second watch through on this is that there's no she this woman doesn't have a grandson at all mm-hmm. she, she's just you know doing this and she, her mother was a part of this cult right and she's trying to bring her into yeah. this cult exactly and joan is part of the cult we yeah, find out right. later yeah. and uh I, I think this is how payment comes into the world yep. is is through the the sand they annie brings him into it by being convinced to do this seance <laughs> I think that's that's what happens here. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, and and they end up doing that later. Um, so Annie, because, because after the seance, things really get effed up. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know and this is where this is where like uh, um, Annie has a dream. You know that that dousing dream again. Mm-hmm. Um, she see uh, she sees ants, and she follows the ants into Peter's room, mm-hmm. um, and Peter's. De- or, or or think uh, she envisions Peter dying, or, or no, she sees him dead with the ants all over his face, mm-hmm. and he's not. She you know she get she jumps up. Um, <laughs> she runs into the room right after that. She says, "I never wanted to be your mother. I yes. tried to have a miscarriage." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was a powerful scene too. I mean, that was <laughs> and she and and. Oh, and this is where she tries to start him on fire, but it was actually a dream. So she gets yeah. up, she does this seance in the bathroom. She gets everybody up. Um, let's let's get, you know, let's get, uh, um, let, let's try to talk to Charlie. I know this is going to work. I just did it. I did it with uh, Joan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gets kind of a possessed. This is where she gets possessed. I think you're she, right. Because she yeah. does that. Uh, yes. And then kind of snaps out of it. Because yeah, he, he right. throws water, uh, Stephen throws water in her face. You're right. I, I think, yes, Pie Man comes into her, I bet. Because it says that he doesn't like having a woman's body. He prefers a male body. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. There's kind of an info dump that happens there right. where, where you realize or you find out that Payment prefers a male body. Right. Um, so it goes for edit from the room, like Peter in the room, to his classroom. And he's looking at the reflection in like a, it looks like a, a, a trophy case. Mm-hmm. And he's frowning and he's down, but this this reflection smiling, but it's his reflection smiling <laughs> right. back at him. Uh, this is this is where he has like uh, the uh, episode or whatever where he raises his hand, or no, is that that's, like, that's a later. little bit later? Okay, no, he's he's just starting to space out. He's starting to mm-hmm. he's starting to fill this too. The art right. gallery calls. Um, this is where Ari Aster makes his appearance and right. asks if mm-hmm. everything's okay. 
and he just has a freak out, breaks everything inside, destroys everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he Steve comes in, he's like, man, I'm just trying to keep this together. Um, Charlie's door is open. Uh, it it heard notepads being drawn on. Yeah, just just mm-hmm. it's pictures of Peter with like X's crying. Through his eyes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Peter sees Charlie in his room. Um, her head rolls off, and it's a ball that rolls rolls towards him. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets grabbed in the back. He thinks it's his mom, but it was actually just a nightmare. Um, so, Annie's still kind of herself. So the only thing she realizes that t- that can get rid of this because it's obviously it's not Charlie's uh, spirit. It's it's something that attached right. to her. Uh-huh. Um, grabs the drawing notebook uh-huh. and throws it in the fire. And and Stephen's on, like sleeping on the couch because he doesn't want anything to do with Annie right now. Right. And her her shirt arm goes, starts yeah, to burn. It, yeah. It starts catching on fire, so she yeah. puts it out. Mm-hmm. Um. Annie goes back over to Joan's house. That's right. And it is like you know what's going on here. This thing did not work. But um. Oh, and Ari Aster did that upside down flip yes, shot. Yes, I, I saw that building. from you Midsummer. That? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, Same thing as great. Midsummer. Yes. Uh-huh. So she walks up. She's trying to get a hold of Joan, and it goes into Joan's apartment. And you see a picture of Peter in this triangle thing. That's on right. The table. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, oh, oh, this is where Peter's sitting outside. He's eating his lunch, and he's just spacing out. And then that's Joan's right. Joan out there. Joan shows up, right? Um, and and calls calls him payment or something like that or yeah. starts calling him that yeah and you know he's just like something's going on with him yep. so annie um gets her mom's stuff she realizes uh payment is male uh this is a cult uh, or payment prefers a male body that he's a demonic spirit that wants mm-hmm. to inhabit somebody's body to yep. take over this cult and that people are trying to bring him back right um Steven's at work. He's looking at pictures. The grave is dug up. The mom's, <laughs> um, Annie goes upstairs and realize all these, uh, flies, these flies are coming around. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's her mom's dead body with her head chopped off. Right. Flies are always bad uh, sign, man. When you got a bunch of flies in you your house, like, Amity? Amityville. Amity? Yeah. It reminded me of that. <laughs> so the mom's dead body's up there. Uh, the symbol, that same symbol that you've seen throughout the movie is in blood in the attic. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter's in his class. He hears that. Yeah. That's what, that's which is what Charlie always did. Yeah. That like she made like that clicking thing. noise. Right. Um, and then this is where he goes like all twisted. His that's, arm goes up. Cause the yes. teacher asks a question and it's like, he's getting, he's, he's being held or his arms mm-hmm. being twisted. Yeah. Banged into a, his, uh, right. So this is one of the scariest scenes in the movie too. I oh think. yeah. You know, like it looks like he's raising his hand, but his, his hand is all like messed up, you know? And yeah, someone's and his twisting face his gets distorted. His face gets really distorted. And yes, he slams into the desk with it, with his head. Apparently the, uh, the actor wanted to actually break his nose. In this, and he told Ari Aster, that. Oh. like he, he was really going for the, uh, you know, the method acting here. Ari, Ari Aster wouldn't let him do it, mm. but he did dislocate his jaw, I guess, slamming his head into the, uh, like th- they made him like a stunt desk that w- that was softer, you know. Yeah. But he actually did dislocate his jaw because he hit his head so hard on oh it. Oh my god! It, look, <laughs> I, that I mean, that was really effective. I mean, yeah. the way he did, and the look on his face and the way he was contorted. Right, right. It was amazing. So yeah. Stephen goes to pick up uh, Peter at school, brings him back home, and this is you know this is where we're starting to wrap things mm-hmm. up. We're at fifty three minutes. Yeah. Um, uh, Annie said, convinces Stephen to go upstairs, and he he's done with it. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he knows his kids all messed up, and he's done with it. But he, she said, "Look, go upstairs." My mom's up there. I don't know why. You know, you got to go check this out. So he goes upstairs and and he's like, well, you were lying about going to these movies. Are you <laughs> right. the one that put it up there? He thinks she's the one who did it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, she wants Steven to throw the book, uh, Charlie's uh, drawing, drawing book, book in, in the, the fire. fire. Right. And he's like, well, you know, I'm done with this. You need help. And then she grabs the book from him and throws it. He catches on fire. Right. <laughs> um, so she thought she was uh, sacrificing herself so this wouldn't happen. But, right. um, and he burns up yeah, because of it, right? Cat- um, is this where, uh, where uh, P- 
Peter comes home then. And, yeah, uh, Peter was sleeping. I mean, yeah, because Peter, his nose Peter's, was Peter's home. He must have had a concussion or something. Yeah. Don't let somebody sleep with a concussion. And he comes down and he sees his dad's charred body, right? Yes. And in this in this part, and is this where she chases him? Because that is a scary scene too. It's well, like, she sees she sees lights on in the or he sees lights on in the clubhouse, and they're not red; yeah. they're just regular like candle yeah. lights. Yeah. Um, so he's going around looking for mom and dad, finds mom or dad's charred body up there. And then you see something in the ceiling area just sitting there. Yeah, that's and right. And the camera goes down, it's, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he turns around and mom's starting to chase him. Yeah, that chase up the stairs, that was terrifying. I mean, it was really shocking, like the speed and everything, that, that uh, the way she chased after him, that was a great scene too. Yep. Um there's a naked guy in there that you see. Yeah, and that was and it, it, that was another thing where it wasn't it didn't jump out at you or anything, but you noticed it. And it was just like whoa. <laughs> you <know? laughs> exactly. And you know what else was frightening is like uh, so. Um, Peter gets upstairs to the attic. Yeah. And the, the grandma's body's gone. Yeah. And he pulls up the the door, and you hear this bang, 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 bang. Oh yeah. It's the mom banging it's, her head it, against. It's you. Annie slamming her head repeatedly and yeah it sounds like she's pounding on like, the, like with her fist with her, her fist head. but it's her head yes that was a shockingly scary scene too it really was um <laughs> and then he sees a picture of himself with eyeballs burnt out like right. like, like somebody took a cigarette to it or mm-hmm. something like that um he jumps out the window and then you see this like light orb go in him so he jumps out the window and you see first of all like a kind of a black uh mist leave him yeah did you notice that I didn't notice that. Yeah, so like a black mist kind of leaves him, and then the uh, the orb comes into him. Right. So I think he so he kills himself, you know, mm-hmm. by jumping out this window, and I think that was his intention mm-hmm. was to kill himself. And you know, in in traditional, you know, Christian lore or whatever, you kill yourself, you go to hell. You know, uh, so his spirit, I think, vacated his body and allowed Payman to come in there. Right. So, so that that light orb was Payman, mm-hmm. the de- demonic. Right. Um, Oh yeah, and before you saw that, your mom, her, the mom's. Oh yeah, that's the famous off. scene. Yeah. Like you're start, you hear it, <laughs> yeah. like like you see her starting to do it, and then you, and then like when he jumps out the window, you hear plump. Like yeah, they just fell mm-hmm. on the ground. Right. Where did that come from? Where did she get this? Like, I mean, I, I knew what it was. It was like one of those saws that comes with your uh, with your, you know. You never know what's where in the, the heck attic, did that right? come from. You know, I would have liked I would have liked a little explanation on where she got that, uh, you know, wire saw or whatever they're called. Yeah, so uh, to wrap it up, we're at 56, 57. Yeah. Um, he goes up to the uh, up to the treehouse. Uh, there's naked people there bowing towards him. Mm-hmm. Um, the lady Joan comes up to him and calls him Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, they put a crown, and you see Charlie's decapitated up there. Uh, the decapitated bodies of grandma and mom, and, mom are up and they're there. bowing. And then mm-hmm. once once he becomes payment. They turned and they're bowing towards him. Yes. Ends the movie. (laughs) He's the devil or he's a demonic payment. And he's still got that nose cast on. You think he could heal his nose? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. So I think, uh, did we miss anything? Uh, No, I think we covered it completely there. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, Where are you sitting at? Um, So there's apparently this movie, just like Midsummer, is, uh, you know, got some, it's divisive, apparently. I, I, I'm surprised about that. I think I would think every horror movie fan would love this movie. Uh, I'm in the camp that loves the movie. Uh, I've seen it twice. I liked it a lot more the second time I saw it. It's got this horrid sense of dread and and uh, terror. Uh, it's not like jump scare. Just terrific, awful nightmare stuff. Yeah. Um, like I said, I loved Anne Dowd, jo- uh, Joan in this movie. She just was amazing. Uh, and I think everybody turns in a, an incredible performance in this Without movie. Without a doubt. Um, I get. I give it four stars. Yeah, I'm gonna sit at a four and a half. Um, I I love Ari Aster. I mean, th- this guy. This guy's got so much brilliance and takes a, um, you know, takes a real look at grief, right, and sadness, right, and makes it horrifying. Yes, absolutely. Um, I did enjoy Midsummer more, just because. Um, I agree. I I thought Midsummer fit together a little better, and there were just. Um, I don't know it, the. Uh, I I think he was just he was just kind of refined when he when he got to um, he had refined the craft a little it, bit better. It felt he, yeah it felt a little movie. more well oiled. Right, 
Right. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, to me, it's so worth a watch. I don't know how many times you could watch this movie because it is so dark. I found yeah. no levity to this. No, movie. there really isn't. It, it's it is not a movie to watch if you're depressed or something like no, that. I mean, not do not do that. You, I, I really think that would be a bad thing for people. You got to be in a a decent mood to begin with and want to feel kind of that way. Uh, but I really do. I want to watch it again just yeah. to catch. I mean, the, all of this little stuff that he puts in the in the movie. It's so brilliant, you know. And I think because you know what's going to happen, right? And mm-hmm. you could take yourself. You, you maybe take yourself out of the, some of those scenes, sure, but, sure. But, but look uh-huh. for more of the symbolism throughout yeah. the movie. So yeah, yeah. I agree. But uh, yeah, this is a rock solid movie. I mean, such a great entry into the horror genre, and yep. I, you know, again, really looking forward to what we have in the future. Uh, next week we will be back on Friday. We're going to be talking about the Shutter exclusive. Haunt. That one looks interesting, by the way. It does. Uh, We're going to be wrapping up the month with a brand new movie, which will be out on Blu-ray and video on demand. Girl on the Third Floor, starring CM Punk slash Phil Brooks, WWE guy slash yeah, awesome. UFC guy. Looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great weekend.